Hello and welcome, listeners, to Hi. Funk Radio. Hello. Hello. Am Hi. I, am I considered a listener because I'm listening to you? Or? Uh, only when I'm talking, and I'm considered a listener when you're talking. Oh, assuming that I we're see. listening to each other. Yeah, so it's like we're each half a listener, so f- combined we're one full listener, so we at least have one person that listens to us. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of logic that uh, I think is very fitting to start the episode with Yes Hello and welcome to Funk Radio This is Peter and that's Kyle Hi, I'm Kyle So we're going to do another short episode uh, I think we did a couple of long ones back to back Now we're going to do a couple of short ones um, In the last one, Kyle, you gave us a brief history of uh, Bluetooth and where that comes from Yep It comes from uh, blueberries Mm-hmm. Sort of in this episode, I wanted to... This is kind of a random topic. I don't really know where it came from other than just vaguely knowing that there were... Uh, over the course of time, there have been multiple different uh, cassette formats, audio-wise. Uh, I think video cassette formats, I think it's a completely different thing. But uh, I just figured, hey, why don't we figure out what the very smallest one is? Because a lot of them are typically smaller than regular uh compact cassettes so i was like hey what's the smallest one and now we're going to talk about that uh so the, the i came up with a well including the regular compact cassette just to kind of set a baseline here for the the list there's five in this list and we're going to go in order not only chronological order but also in order of largest to smallest so we're going to end with the smallest one that's what she um, said mm-hmm. so we're starting with uh, like I said, the compact cassette or, you know, that's just the regular cassette tape. I would bet that, you know, I would at least hope that most of our listeners have some familiarity with uh, with cassettes. Unless really young people listen to us. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we're not hip enough for... Actually, if you're young enough to not know what a cassette tape is, you probably shouldn't be listening to us. Yeah, you're probably like below the age limit. This is definitely an R-rated uh, podcast, so young ears need not apply. Mm-hmm. Um I actually had a cassette playing boombox thing um, as a child. I remember, this is a stupid childhood story, I want to say I was like seven or eight, and I was part of this, it was like a church-oriented Boy Scouts. One of the things we would do, I don't remember why, it was probably just to give money to the church, but Mm. we would like take collections or something, and because we were split into different like I don't know what you call it, troops, I guess, mini troops. Each week, whichever troop had the biggest collection would win a prize. But the way that they judged, the, uh, I guess, who had the largest collection was they actually had a scale. And people would put, like, you know, coins and dollars and whatever the hell it was. Mm. I, I don't know if it was my parents or someone. Someone gave me $10. And my mom's like, hey, I have an idea. Let's go to the bank. And I had that $10 converted into pennies. I was just about to, you know, I was going to be like, you know what? I know how to do this, but I'm not going to say anything. Of course, this is exactly <laughs> what little Kyle did. And exploiting the I, system. Yes. And so I got it converted into pennies and they put it in like this special bank sack, which I thought was hilarious. And sadly, it didn't have a dollar sign on it. Um, <laughs> and our, that week when we did our. You know, the, the collection ceremony thing where all the teams are there and they're putting their money in. I remember getting out of my seat and walking up the aisle like I thought I was like a total fucking baller with my sack of fucking pennies. 
and like obviously due to its heft completely made the scale go all the way to the bottom and obviously won it for our team Mm. and they did a thing which like whichever person on the team you know who of the team that won collected the most money of that team won an extra special prize so i won a boombox and it was Mm. i remember it was a boombox that had two cassette decks because you could record from one to another Mm. and i would play the songs and record them to another cassette and then pretend to dj between the songs and record record myself so back in like 1997 i was making funk radio (laughs) not with not with funk music with fucking like space jam and christina aguilera or whatever Mm. so yeah that's the story of little kyle and cassettes so the origins of funk radio are a huge sack of pennies yep i beat (laughs) someone with a sack of pennies no i didn't uh (laughs) Hmm, okay well interestingly because it's interesting that i i've always found it kind of cool that cassettes because they really were introduced in the early 70s but they didn't really fully die out i mean they were still sold in stores into the early 2000s um, oh, yeah. Which, as far as media formats go, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I guess vinyl record kind of being an, uh, an exception there because, I mean, that lasted for probably more than 50 years um, mm. or well over that. But, it, you know, especially, as, you know, as we get into the digital age, I mean, like, I can't think of anything else that has lasted more or less unmodified for 30 years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, true. I'm, I mean, outside of... LPs, it probably is like the second longest lasting medium. Yeah. One site I was looking I was looking at for research said that between the seventies and the early two thousands, the cassette was one of the two most common formats, um, as we know. Um, which was first one of the top two formats between that and the record, and then later it became one of the top two formats between that and CDs. So it kind yeah. of spanned the the transition. Um, with those other formats, which is also kind of interesting. Part of the reason that that specific format kind of trumped all the others, when Philips first introduced this in 1962, within the first few years, you know, there were some other competing formats, like I said. But I guess Sony, I guess, was a big player in, like, pushing Philips to basically free up the license so that anyone could use that format. Mm -hmm. And then in 1965, a couple years after it was introduced, they did make the license free. So... With it basically being open source, if you will, um, you know, a lot of manufacturers adopted this uh, format, and I think that's how it just became so successful. I'm kind of curious if Sony was pushing them to that because they realized, hey, we can't make something that competes well enough with this, so we're just going to pressure them to open it up to everybody. Um, I'm, curious I'm sure there's something directly, there. I was going to say, I'm curious if that directly uh, helped lead to the Sony Walkman, too the original Walkman played cassettes. Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. And, well, yeah, because when, when did we say the mock Walkman was? That 70... 79. Oh, that was 79. So that they there was still quite a, a gap there. I mean, that's yeah. like 15 yeah. years or something. True. Um, yeah, that, that is an interesting sidebar, though. So, you know, this discussion is like, you know, what is the smallest cassette tape? So we're going to start with this one as kind of the baseline Regular cassette tapes are about four inches wide, two and a half inches tall, and half an inch thick. If you're looking at the length and the width, it's a little bit bigger than a business card. It's about about the size of a playing card, if I remember. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good way to put it as well. 
And capacity-wise, cassettes were produced that could record up or play up to 120 minutes total. Now, is that uh, is that like a 60 minutes on both sides? Because I remember with cassettes, you always had to flip them over. Yeah, that's 60 on each side. Okay. Um, so, you know, not to get too far into cassettes just because, like, we've never done a, a, an episode specifically about them. But that'd be, that'd we be did, fun, I guess. Well, but so my thing is we when we talked about 8-track a while back, Mm-hmm. A lot of that episode was like saying, oh, in comparison to cassette, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and yeah. I think in that, we kind of covered a lot of it. Because, yeah, eight tracks, because of the, the, the tape was thicker, I remembered, obviously, they you know, were higher quality, but cassettes ended yeah. up winning out because of their portability. Yeah, exactly. And they were a lot more reliable. Mm-hmm. So I guess I should also say in that, in light of that, the, the different... Uh, little miniature tapes we're going to be going through the rest of this conversation. There's uh, other than just their size, obviously there's different ways in which they function and the technology that goes into them. I'm not really going to go into that side of it because like we could, but like, I don't think anyone really cares about the, uh, you know, the, the metal content of the, the tape that's used in these <laughs> different types. Um, really, this is meant to just be kind of a short conversation of, you know, kind of going down the list. Okay. Here's, you know, how, here's how small they are. Yeah. Um, so the the compact cassette, the regular one at which we were just talking about, was introduced by Philips in 1962. Five years later, Philips released the mini cassette, which was roughly half the size. Because of the low fidelity of these versus regular cassettes, um, they weren't really appropriate for use in music, but they were purposely built for like dictation machines or answering machines. That sort of thing, because you, you know, uh, kept capturing your your voice or whatever for those sort of things. You know, that quality is absolutely fine, but obviously, um, oh yeah, man, I kind of forgot about machine. answering machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Oh man. Um, cool. But if you ever remember an answering machine having a, a small tape in there, uh, it very well could have been a mini cassette. Mm-hmm. So as I said, they were never used for music. Interestingly, I saw a note that said. A mini cassette of Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Nine can be seen in the 1971 film *A Clockwork Orange*, even though in reality that format was never actually used for music recordings. So that's just a weird technical tip. So the capacity of these was is only 30 minutes. I think that's the only type that they've ever sold, and I think they still sell them today, actually, for you know for whatever you know that specific purpose is. Uh, two years after that, Olympus introduced the micro cassette in 1969 now this is almost identical in size to the mini cassette um but it's just a little bit narrower um i think it's a little bit closer proportionally to the size of a a, a compact cassette anyway so it actually uses the same type of tape as a regular cassette but it's just in a smaller package literally like half the size and similar to the mini cassette, it was, you know, created for the dictation machines and the answering machines and whatnot. Um, same kind of issue of it's not really good enough quality for music, generally speaking. Um, interestingly, though, micro cassettes are used in the underground music scene for recording and distributing low fidelity, like experimental music, huh. uh, which is kind of interesting. I was going to say, because, yeah, lo-fi music is pretty popular now. So Yeah, I, I think especially kind of in the indie scene. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of a thing that's even seeked out. So it's interesting that, uh, people have been using micro cassettes for this purpose. I haven't seen evidence of that for the mini cassette, 
I don't, it might have to, some in some of this. I'm not really sure what the reasoning is for that. It might be like due to the hardware. Like there's only certain equipment that can you know work with certain formats. Because I think the micro cassette is a bit more um, like it's more available, more ready, readily available. I know that that comes in more um, time increments, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, up to 60 minute tapes, um, which is impressive considering it's half the size of a regular cassette. Mm. Um, as an aside just to yeah. mention kind of more what lo-fi is lo-fi yeah. which stands for low fidelity is an extent an aesthetic of recorded music where the sound quality is actually lower than usual contemporary standards uh lo-fi only began being recognized as a style of music in the 1990s uh and alternatively became referred to as diy music basically pe- people being able to make you know recordings and tracks in their you know, bedroom or something, but only having like lower quality, you know, tape recorders or whatever to to do it on. Well, yeah, isn't but, uh, isn't uh? Well, I think one. If I I think I might have seen this earlier today. I, like one definition of lo-fi is literally is defined by you can hear the imperfections of the recording process, mm-hmm. more or less. Exactly. Like v- versus you know a you know a typical hi-fi studio song today, like you could never. You know, you wouldn't hear any imperfections in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you were saying, it actually says it since the 80s, it was also connected with cassette culture, mm-hmm. uh, including punk, indie rock, outsider music, uh, early EDM. So that, is, that's, that might actually be an interesting, I guess what you call side episode, is like how different ways music was spread underground mm-hmm. physically, you know? Well, we did talk about... Um pirating music the way different ways of pirating music back in the day yeah um i'm trying to think of what we called it though oh bootlegging that's what it was called yeah yeah that's right um so we kind of covered that a little bit there um yeah i don't know if we like i would kind of be interested to get into like lo-fi music some of the yeah maybe that that might be something Uh, i'll Um, write it down cool um, so as I said, the micro cassette is so with the size of it physically, it's two inches by one point three inches, and then ha- less than half an inch thick. If if me saying that it's about half the size of a cassette is too abstract for you, um, it's also roughly the length of a double A battery, which should put it into perspective a little bit as well. That's really small. Yeah. Speaking of which, I need to get double A batteries. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> so smaller than the micro cassette is the Pico cassette. So the the gap in time here is a bit wider now. Uh, this is what this wasn't until 1985. So that is what is it, 16 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a big gap. Um, this was introduced by the Dictaphone Company um, in partnership with JVC in 1985. Now the Pico cassette is quite a bit smaller than the micro cassette. It, it's considered the smallest analog cassette tape ever produced, being only about as tall as a U.S. quarter. Um, huh. And if you can't quite picture that, listeners, I would say look up a picture of a Pico cassette because they're adorable and tiny. Judging from the picture I'm looking at, it's about the size of like an original SD card, but not a micro SD card, if you know what that is. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's probably pretty close to that. Impressively, I guess, you know, with time, technology improves as well. But the, the capacity of these is also up to 60 minutes Oh wow! Um, for being how, how small they are. 
So were these similarly meant to be just used in answering machines, but ones that were yeah, smaller? I, th- I think for the most part, all of these small cassette formats are all meant for that. Mm-hmm. With micro cassette really being the only one that I've seen any evidence of that people use it for music. Mm-hmm. That being said, part there's a weird part of me that wants to go out and like invest a little bit money in you know a way to record on all these different formats and do like a comparison side by side that would be kind of amazing but yeah. i don't want you to like spend a bunch of money doing and that and i i know <laughs> like i would only do that if it was not a ridiculous amount of money yeah um, but there's a weird like techie hog hobbyist part of me that really wants to do that go yeah i was gonna say go like dumpster diving for like old answering machines from the different eras right exactly i mean hell you could probably find those at goodwill and then you know well, some of was, these formats are still being made today so you could go buy them i was gonna say for the micro cassette like you said because they it is used to distribute music yeah. there's you could probably still buy those today somewhere yeah yeah so there, there's a weird part of me that might actually look into that but um i guess we'll see where that goes so as i said the the pico cassette is considered a lot by a lot of people at least online from what i've little bit of research i've done it, a lot of people consider that to be the smallest analog cassette tape ever produced or it's mm-hmm. the smallest cassette tape period but that's analog and so there's also another one called the nt produced by sony in 1992 and that's slightly smaller but that's a digital cassette tape and i don't i like i said i'm not really going to go into the uh, differences in the actual like specific technology behind them mm-hmm. um but there is that distinction there so I think some people may say that the Pico cassette is technically the smallest. Um, even though the Sony NT is a little bit smaller, it's only about as tall as a U.S. nickel. And wow. it can hold up to 120 minutes, That's which is the good. same total capacity as a regular size compact cassette. Yeah, um, that's crazy. And you know this is basically the size of a postage stamp or maybe even smaller. So that's pretty impressive. Now, because this is digital rather than analog, does mm-hmm. that mean that the sound quality is better? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know. And Like, could, this, I, could those have been used for music at one point? I don't know. I never, like, again, I didn't find any evidence that these have been experimented with, with music. Mm-hmm. But I, I would be curious to know that. I, I think the, when you get into these smaller sizes, the, the way that the... Um, I don't want to call them cassette players, but I mean, that's basically what they are. The mm-hmm. The way that they access the physical tape inside the cartridge changes, at least with the NT, if not also the Pico cassette. Mm. And the way that it reads and, you know, or reads or writes data onto this metal tape um, does change a bit as well. So I think that might be partially what cons- makes it considered digital. I don't know if the fidelity improves at all in that case or not mm-hmm. um but yeah it i was gonna say just a quick uh wikipedia ing it looks like this nt cassette was mostly used for in conjunction with sony's uh proprietary digital micro recorder so mm-hmm. like you said a dictation machine yeah there's a picture here on wikipedia that shows the nt cassette compared to like a stamp and like an SD mm. card and a, and a nickel or whatever the hell that is. So the NT is probably smaller than all of those, right? The NT is smaller than a regular SD card, mm. but not as small as a micro SD card. Well, those are really tiny. Those are, yeah, those, like, I drop those like it's a fucking contact. It's like, oh, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, have you seen how, fuck, how big micro SD cards have gotten now? They literally have one that's 512 gigabytes. 
Jesus, on those tiny on little a, things? On a micro SD card. Hmm. That just blows my mind to this day. So yeah, um, part of me, well, I, I don't really think that you know we're we're gonna see. Well, we might. I don't think we're gonna see more smaller formats of cassettes produced in the ongoing no. future. I could be proved wrong though. Um, I mean, it has been. I mean, nineteen ninety two. How many years ago was that? Twenty six, twenty seven. I would argue not only because of the. Uh, ease of recording digitally to say a hard drive mm-hmm. nowadays um but uh yeah so I, I don't outside of like a niche thing i don't see them really making a comeback i mean who the hell yeah. uses answering machines anymore anyways who leaves yeah. voice well files? i was trying to think like if anything they would still be used for uh dictation devices or you know usually what people use to, like record interviews and stuff you know the handheld little yeah. thing yeah. but like you said, it's all kind of digital now, and there's not really any purpose for it to be on a separate media like that. And if anything, that probably is using SD or something like that. Yeah, I would, I would imagine any dictation things they have nowadays, exactly. They just use micro SD cards. Yeah. So, which are like digital, really kind of are digital cassettes. In a way, obviously. Without, the, without tape, the, yeah. It's just. Yeah. So, I, it is probably fairly safe to say that the Sony NT was really the last mainstream, uh, you know, cassette format in this and the smallest as well. Um, mm-hmm. at least for those who include, uh, digital cassettes, uh, in the running. I was like, I actually had a little bit of a hard time finding the dimensions of some of these, uh, tapes that we talked about. Oh, I'm sure. Especially the ones that aren't quite as common. Cause I, I, you know, and I, you know, I purposely didn't do a whole lot of depth in some of the research in this because I wanted to keep the episode fairly short. But I think at least one of these, like, there's only one piece of hardware that actually plays them. Oh, wow. Um, because they're that specialized. I, uh, it I, might be the Pico cassette, but I really don't remember. I was going to say, considering that the when I googled NT cassette, yeah, it says that it works with the Sony NT digital micro recorder. And it's mm-hmm. made by Sony. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a proprietary thing to work with that recorder system. Oh yeah, I think all of these actually are proprietary, to my oh. knowledge. Possibly not micro cassette. So uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a uh, just a fun little topic without a whole lot of depth. But I just was curious uh, about this, and now now you listeners probably learned a thing or two. Mm-hmm. And, you learned uh, what an answering machine is. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Please leave a message after the beep. Beep. If you want to leave a message without waiting for the beep, leave the message on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. Or if you would like to listen to some of our ep- other episodes, including... Oh, Jesus. Okay, so... <laughs> sorry. So the bootleg episode, if you listeners are interested in that, was episode 175. Uh, way back in the end of 2016. So that was actually just over, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, that was that was a really fun one. I remember liking that one a lot. I'm also trying to figure out where the 8-track episode was. Uh, that was episode 138 uh, in early 2016. So, yeah. I remember that one being pretty fun, too. I, I, mm-hmm. I like when we kind of get into some of these technology things and basically figuring out like why is it not a thing anymore yeah yeah um so that was that was a good one so yeah that's uh that's it not much else to say here 
I can dig it. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you guys have any old answering machines you don't use that you want to mail to Peter, uh, mm-hmm. you can contact us on Facebook. There you go. So, bye. Bye.